Science AF. 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 Science as fuck. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dave Chacho. And with me, as sometimes, is no one. This is a mini episode. I'm just going to tell you about the science. Let's start in space. Also known as space. Astronomers have found the furthest object in the solar system again. The former record holder was a rock named Far Out, which is 120 AU away from the sun. That means 120 times as far as the Earth is from the sun. This thing is. But a team at Carnegie Institute for Science, led by Scott Shepard. Is he an astronaut? Who is the astronaut? Alan Shepard? Alan Shepard's cousin Scott, from the Carnegie Institute of Science, says he has found an even further away object than far out. An object he has cleverly dubbed far, far out. Thanks for not wasting too much of your work day on that one, Scott. Shepard says that he knows nothing about the object. They just have this little blip of something. He is heading to Chile as we speak to try to get a, another glimpse of it. This thing, they say, is about 140 AU away, whereas the former one, Far Out, was 120 AU. Fun fact, according to Voyager 1, which left our solar system a few years ago, the solar system is about 122 AU from the sun. The edge is about 122 from the sun. So this thing would would kind of be outside the solar system. Also, there's no, although there's no like defined edge of the solar system, and it could certainly still be within the gravitational well of the sun, hanging out out there. But we don't know what it is. It it's probably not Planet Nine. Planet X, the other thing, the thing they think is out there? It might be. Who knows? Excelsior, Scott, go find us a new planet. In closer space news, the Hubble telescope, despite the handicap of being dead, is still finding stuff. Astronomer Mark Showalter of SETI Institute was presumably searching for intelligent life, pouring through old Kepler data when he came across a moon of Neptune that's really just a splinter off another moon of Neptune. Neptune has 13 moons. I think that means this would be the 14th one, but it's a just a little tiny splinter moon. They think that it literally got blown off by a comet from the moon Protean. Protean. 
Geological Survey has three enormous warehouses of geological samples. That's like fossils and rocks and shit. Huge warehouses, like the one from Indiana Jones. Imagine the huge warehouse panning crane shot from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark and times it by three. That's what the Britons have over there. And it's all full of cool stuff that Indiana Jones would have loved to steal. But Earth scientists have complained that this stuff is almost completely unusable since it's in a giant warehouse where no one will find it, which is the point of that final scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they are putting together a digital database called Deep Time Digital Earth, DDE. No T, because deep and time are hyphenated for some reason. Deep Time Digital 
Scipio Snyder, a climate dynamicist from Caltech, named after the famous sauce, released a new model prediction guesstimate that shows that clouds as we know them might not be able to exist if CO2 continues to rise in the air as it does. Increased CO2 levels, higher temperature allows more dry air to penetrate the thin clouds from above, preventing them from thickening and reflecting the sun's energy, and then increased CO2 levels traps heat, preventing their cooling. All that stops the, uh, you know, the turbulent flow of air that helps form clouds, which means the clouds might not be able to form, which means more sunlight hits the earth, which means more heating, which means less clouds, more sunlight, more heating, less clouds. What are we going to do? Here's an idea. Australian scientists have figured out how to turn carbon dioxide back into carbon. Actually, coal, they say here, but I think it's more of a like, flaky carbon ash that they're making. So current, there are currently CO2 capture methods. Uh, most of them just grab air, compress it until CO2 turns into a liquid form, and then pump it in the ground and hope that it's going to make more oil in a million years. There's a lot of problems with that, besides being stupid and dirty. We could really use that carbon that they're shoving back into the earth, and the earth probably doesn't want it shoved into it. So, a new method of carbon conversion. Um, a research team from RMIT University in Melbourne. What's RMIT stand for? Who knows? It doesn't say in the article, and strangely, it doesn't say on the website. Romitz University. Go fighting Romitz. Anyway, Dr. Dorna S. Oh, Jesus. Here's a name. Dr. Dorna Esrafelzada. 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 Dr. Dorna Esrafelzada. A vice chancellor's research fellow at Romit School of Engineering. Apparently everything's just a little bit weirder down there, down under. But they're doing some cool science. Maybe they'll save us from receding clouds. So what they're doing is, okay, they dissolve the carbon dioxide. I guess they, they pump air into a beaker of liquid with some liquid metal, which they won't say what the liquid metal is in this article. I don't know why. Is it a trade secret? Or just outside the scope of ScienceDaily.com. So the CO2 bubbles through this liquid, and instead of making delicious cola, the liquid metal converts the CO2 into solid flakes of carbon. That's pretty awesome. So the CO2 bubbles through the liquid, flakes of carbon start to come out and slowly float to the bottom, and then they can harvest that carbon and... I guess 